The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across me is the one, uh, the only, the pony trainer herself, <laughs> Laura, the whipmaster, Jameson. <laughs> Say hi, Hello, mistress. everyone. <laughs> I have been stuck on this goddamn pony trainer goddamn thing to, for to Jesus fucking Christ, man. I got to tell our listeners how... <laughs> Why I'm stuck. I happened to mention that I'd seen this video where grown ass men are dressing like ponies and these women get there's like a whole event about this, right? And they get pulled with cart like they're pulling carts and things like that. It's called pony play. Okay, pony play. And out of Laura's mouth goes, I was a pony trainer. I went, God damn it, really? <laughs> Seriously? This yep. is what I get today. That's that, that's that's awesome. That's that's freaking tremendous. So that's been on my brain. I just I can't get that out of my I'm never gonna see you the same way ever again. That's uh, the things thank that you? are in my mind. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I got to read this one. This one here's kind of a weird one. And I got I actually had to add my personal notes to it because this chick's fucking weird as fuck. Her name is Margie Velma Barfield. Let's get into her, shall we? Yes, we shall. <laughs> So Margie went by Velma, and she was born Margie Velma Bullard, B-U-L-L-A-R-D, on October 29th of 1932 to Murphy Olive Bullard and Lillian McQueen Bullard. Who the fuck names their boy Olive? Like, for real. <laughs> the hell was wrong with people in the 30s and before? God, you guys named your kids some fucked up shit. It was a family name. <laughs> I will bet you that half these people went, I didn't want kids. We're, you know, we're already poor. So you know what? His name is Olive, and good luck to you. Like, may, maybe you'll live. Maybe you won't. I don't yeah. know. So they lived on a small tobacco and cotton farm in rural South Carolina. Velma was raised in a very strict Pentecostal Christian oh, household, boy. and that's the problem right there. For those yes, of you that don't know is. who Pentecostals are, they are called the Holy Rollers, and people pass out, and they speak in tongues, and it's just, it, it's, to me, it's lunacy. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not religious shaming, by the way, because I got accused of fucking kink shaming earlier. Um, <laughs> and I'm not shaming ponies. I'm not shaming you pony boys or pony trainers or pony players. To me, it's just not, just. Just outside. Yeah, that's it. I'm just I'm I'm just a weird ass dude looking in at grown ass men with horse bits in their mouth. And going And women. Uh, and they're I, pony girls too. Get the fuck out. All I saw was a pony dudes. There's there's actually more pony girls than there are pony boys. Okay, I can get behind that. Like literally. <laughs> <laughs> it was a look on the dude's face when he went to and sometimes I'm a bad pony. I I kick and I bite them off. What the? I said, yeah, he's a bad pony. I got like take the whip to him. I'm like, okay, whatever, whatever floats your boat there, bud. <laughs> it's not my deal. I don't want nobody whipping me. <laughs> Anywho, she would remain a devoutly religious person, kind of, but on an on and off again basis throughout her entire life. She was the oldest girl and second child of nine kids. Somebody should have told her parents how that shit happens. I'm just saying. <laughs> They knew, but they're Pentecostal, so... Well, there you go. Like, somebody should... Jesus says no more kids, no asshole. No more for you. Fucking... God, nine fucking kids. 
Um, when she was in school, she noticed the financial differences between herself and her classmates. You know, fucking nine kids versus two. Right. You know, there's a, kids are expensive. Well, they're probably giving a fair amount of their money to the church also. Oh, true, 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 true. So, she started stealing some pocket money from her father to buy treats at school. Well, eventually, she upped her game and stole 80 bucks from an elderly neighbor. And when her father found out, he beat her ass. And it was the last time she stole anything as a child. And I put my personal note in here. While I don't condone beating kids, I can't fault her father. One thing that I hate, and I mean fucking hate, is a thief. And there's a reason, because I'm the kind of guy, I'll give you the shirt off my back, man. But you don't fucking steal from me. There's no reason. If you steal from me, then it's pure malice, and you're just a beauty yeah, asshole. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because you guys know the kind of person I am. I'm not the kind that's, I'm not stingy. You have integrity. <laughs> I try. Yeah. You know, I may, may be a kind of an asshole sometimes, but shit. Anyway, most of the people need to earn what money that they have. We work, uh, we work, we budget, and we do our best to live our lives within the financial means that we have. Then, this brat comes along takes money from an elderly person who I would assume probably needs it more than the kid does. Yeah. Velma took away what could have been, you know, the money that this elderly person needed for for to buy food or pay rent so they can keep living where they're fucking living and eat. They're There's, probably on a fixed budget, so you would think, right? This little fucking kid. Yeah. Just fucking Velma needs a goddamn boot and I'm I'm glad her dad beat her. I'm going to be honest. And I'm, I don't condone Just child. the once, though. Yeah. Oh, well, it, it gets a little bit worse for her, which kind of uh, sucks. But yeah. for the for the thieving, I am glad that he beat her because that's just fucked up. It's bad enough stealing money from your parents, but now you're jacking money from an elderly person. It's like, hey, how the fuck am I going to eat or pay rent or buy medication or, yeah, you know, pay for hookers? Oh, that's me. Never mind. <laughs> I'm not elderly yet. <laughs> I wonder if hookers are... Ca- Pay want- for hookers to give you your medication. That would be bomb. Does Medicare cover that? I wonder. Is that a part That's C Medicare plan? part B, yeah. <laughs> so her father, unfortunately, frequently beat her. And her mother did nothing to stop him. Because he was probably beating her, too. Right. No, and, and I agree. You know, I, I, you see that a lot in this era. And in, in the Pentecostals, because it's the whole, you know... Spare the rod, yep. spoil the child. Yes. I've heard that one a few times, even from Southern Baptists. So anyway, Velma resented her mother for it. From the outside, Velma's father looked like a doting, loving father. But, and I, I'm going to use my sinister voice, but inside the home, it was a vastly different story. Dun, dun, dun. Kind of like the <laughs> Lifetime channel, which I call the man-hater channel, you know, she yes. was a sweet, innocent girl. He was an evil man with a dark past. <laughs> Lifetime presents I Hate Men. Yes. <laughs> Jesus fucking it's pretty Christ. close. Yeah. So when Velma, when Velma became a teenager, <coughs> her father started entering her room at night and molesting her. Oh, fantastic. That's great. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not about the molestation either. Like, I joke with, you know, with... The ladies about, oh, I'm going to molest you, but I'm bumped. But these are adults, man. You don't yeah. Fucking, you don't. Once again, boys and girls, you don't touch kids. It's fucking Christ, man. These Period. <laughs> yeah. End Seriously. of story. Yeah. So she was desperate to escape, and she dropped out of high school, and she married her boyfriend, Thomas Burke. Now, we talked about married, uh, two teenagers earlier that wanted to get married, but these yep. two actually did it. 
But it wasn't the 2000s either. Right. So. Yeah. And they didn't steal a tent and they weren't watching fucking Twilight. Twilight with glittery <laughs> vampires. So another, another Scotty note. I've seen a lot of this for this era. There seems to have been a lot of molesting going on from what I can tell, especially in households uh, that had other kinds of physical abuse going on. That's what we we're just talking about. You know, you have the, the, the abusive father who's, you know, probably beaten all nine kids. Oh, yeah. And so there, that, that gives the, the, ear, uh, the, the feeling of fear throughout the whole household. And with nine kids, mom's not going to go anywhere. Like, what are no. you going to do? You're going to run away with nine kids? I don't fucking think so. No. So I wouldn't have been surprised, though, seriously, if um, if her mom knew that she was being molested. But she was like, what am I going to do? Yeah, Where am I going to go with exactly nine kids? Like, there's nothing and I can do. At that time, what, it's like early, mid-40s? Yeah, like, it's going to be the mid-40s, yeah. coming up on the 50s and yeah. everything. Yeah. You know, this is, what the fuck are you going to do? It's... You know, yeah, kids getting molested by an abusive guy who's going to knock the shit out of you if, you if you say boo. So, Velma and Thomas have two children together. See, only two. That's a reasonable <laughs> amount. Yeah. That's reasonable. So, Velma, for that part there, I am very proud of you. Yeah. Their names are Ron and Kim. They reportedly were very they're happily married, you know, and they lived harmoniously for 15 years. But... In 1965, Thomas was in a severe car wreck, and he suffered head injuries, which prevented him from working. Oh, boy. Yeah, poor guy. So you can kind of see where this is going to turn yeah. out. We'll get into that in a minute. So he started drinking and using drugs pretty heavy, to kind of trying to mitigate the pain and the headaches as a result of being in the wreck. Um, he also likely suffered from depression. Uh, he was... The, you know, of course, like he was the man of the house, and suddenly I can't provide for yes. my family, which so, I can understand. Yeah, like what is my point in life, especially in the fifties, if you're not providing for your family? Right, exactly. Well, here's even the worst part of this. That's I, it. I just gets feet. better. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna Billy Mays you, but wait, there's, there's more, more. fucked up life here. Yeah, Velma went out and she found work, but it wasn't long after she started work. Uh, after starting, that she needed an emergency hysterectomy. Oh. So we got a lot of tragedy going on here. Not yeah. only is she the, she's the breadwinner, he can't work. So I can see where he's depressed about that. Like, fuck, my wife is the one who has to support us. I can't work. And now, boom, emergency hysterectomy. The surgery left her with severe back pain. The procedure itself um, may have made her feel like less of a woman because socially, social psychological, Social, psychological, and cultural history. If I can put a comma in there. <laughs> anyway, all that is uh, taught. All of us is all that together has taught us that femininity is the ability to reproduce. You know, but without counseling, altering this uh, perception is a difficult, if not nigh impossible, thing to do. Yeah. So here she is. She's in pain, and. I don't think that they had hormone treatment or therapy back then. No, nobody nobody was having yeah. hormone replacement therapy. So, so that also threw her into menopause real quick. Right. She's got ain't got no ovaries, so she's not producing any, you know, un, at least not enough estrogen. Yeah. At bare minimum. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, and and she's in pain. Yeah. And dealing with with all the stress of her husband. 
Because even if he's a great guy at this point, even the best, that's still that's a lot of pressure, man. You're watching the man that you married, who can't work, and he's you know he's, he's fucked up, mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can do about it. Feel helpless. Yeah, exactly. Velma began taking and grew addicted to Librium and Valium. I don't know what Librium is. Don't ask. I'm assuming it's a narcotic. It's in the same line as as Valium. It's a similar. Oh, okay. So Valium and Valium times two. And Valium, you know, was Mother's Little Helper then. That's what they called it. (laughs) Valium could help me now on some days. I'm not even a mother. (laughs) She went to multiple doctors to, uh, to gain prescriptions. After an argument with her husband, which had become a common occurrence in their house, Velma left the house with her children to run errands, leaving Thomas home alone. The house, though, mysteriously caught fire, and Thomas died of smoke inhalation. Mm-hmm. So her children were totally devastated at the loss of their father, justifiably so, because, yes. you know, they, whether those two are fighting or not, I'm sure the kids loved their dad. Of course. You know... On the outside, at least, Velma appeared to be as well. Thomas's death ultimately showed her an easy way to escape her problems. So a few months after Thomas's death, a second fire burned the house to the ground, and she was granted the insurance money. Oh, because this poor woman needs a break. <laughs> <laughs> so, home again. Velma... Moved back with her parents with her kids. Oh, great. And this couldn't have been good for her psyche, psyche mm, right? No. To be living with her, with her abuser again. Shortly after Thomas's death, she started dating a guy named Jennings Barfield. That is a country singer's name if I've ever <laughs> heard it in my life. Like, seriously, man. Anyway, he was a fellow widower. Uh, so this may seem like she was moving quickly, but... You know, when you consider the era, she's a single mom, she's got two kids, she's living in an abusive household, it's not that surprising. It's because that, that, that's what she did to get out. Yeah. She got married to get the fuck out. Yes. So, the two married in August of 1970. After an argument with Velma regarding her abuse of prescription medication, in which Jennings talked about potentially getting a divorce, he mysteriously contracted a strange illness and died of a heart attack on March 22nd of 1971. And they were married less than a year. Once is a tragedy, though. Twice? Maybe you should give that shit a second look. She spun the wheel of toxins. She did. Let's have her get... Oh, you're going to love what what, what will come up. (laughs) Trust me, when it comes to that. Where's it going to land on this episode? Oh, right there. That's fucking sweet. Yes. So, home again, again. After Jennings' death, Velma had a short-lived relationship with another unnamed man. I'm sure he had a name, but somebody mentioned it. <laughs> like they didn't just—he didn't say like my parents didn't give me a name. I've been wandering around. You can call me Bill or Ed, or you can call me, you can call me Mary. I don't care. Just just point and say, hey, you. I've been through the desert with a man with no name. That's what comes to my fucking head. Jesus, I'm fucking retarded. When the flames of their of that relationship was exhausted, 
the flames in her house, they ignited. Yeah. Her house was burned to the ground again. How do you keep replacing all this stuff? I have no idea. Because if you're not, you're only getting insurance money, you're going to have to turn around and find another place to live and all new stuff. Oh, then you you're back think. in the same financial situation. Value Village, man. She's going yes, to the yes. Maybe she's hitting up either yard sales or homeless camps. Because <laughs> she's, she's playing that game. Is it a yard sale or a homeless camp? Mm-hmm. So Velma and her kids move back with her parents again. Her father, though, soon died of lung cancer. And she wasn't involved with his death, by the way. But I bet she sure wasn't grieving. No. He's like, good. Do Assholes, a dance on dead. his grave. That's right, man. She may have taken a power squad over that puppy. <laughs> you never know. Tinkle bells. <laughs> In early summer of 1974... Yeah, no shit, huh? Uh, 1974, Lillian, Velma's mother, showed symptoms of intense diarrhea, vomiting, nausea, and internal bleeding. She was admitted to the hospital, and within a few days, the symptoms abated, and she was released. They're like, get out of here. You're fine now. She's like, thank you, and she skipped home. Here's some Pepto. (laughs) Pretty much. uh, Here's some early days fucking Pepto, and she's like, god dang, that shit works, man. They're they're like, yeah, we know. We're going to market it. In August, a man that Velma was dating was killed in a fatal car accident. God, this, this lady has nothing but luck. bad luck. Yeah. I'm serious. If, if bad luck had a, a, a face, <laughs> it would be Margie Velma Barfield. Like, yeah. Seriously. That's her right there. That's, she is the queen of bad luck. So, any hoosies. On December 30th, Lillian, that's her mom, was readmitted to the hospital with the same symptoms as before. This time, within two hours, she was dead. And doctors were unable to diagnose what illness actually killed her. And foul play, by the way, was not suspected. So, Hmm. no autopsy was performed. Oh, yeah. But it should have been. Just saying. Maybe they should have said, you know, just for shits and giggles, let's open up, Mom. Let's check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're in 1975. Velma was convicted of seven counts of writing bad checks and uh, served three of the six months she was sentenced. So knowingly writing bad checks is a crime, by the way. She's now on to fraud. Uh-huh. And if the check is over $450, I believe that's even in, in, in today's society, that is a felony. Yeah, I think it runs into grand theft or some shit like that or whatever. It's a felony. So Vilma gets out of prison or out of jail. She doesn't have to wear a striped uniform anymore. (laughs) So she's feeling pretty good about that. Uh, She started taking jobs as a caretaker. And we know where this is headed. Yeah. It's 1976 and... Velma begins to work for Montgomery and Dolly Edwards. So Montgomery fell ill and he died on January uh, 29th of 77. In February, a few short weeks after the death of her husband, Dolly became ill with a strange stomach virus which had symptoms identical to those of Lillian. And she died on March 1st, less than a month after her husband. That really pisses me off because I have done, I was a caretaker for 
for years, actually, and that's old people are on the list of. Oh, that's why I was people not to fuck with. Yeah, they're always being victimized. <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're they're an easy target. Yep, and it saddens me because they're they're relying on their caregivers to do exactly what the job title is. Give care. Give care, yeah. You know, it's not fucking rocket science to figure that shit out. No. The next year, Velma took another caretaker uh, job. Oh, God. 76-year-old <laughs> Record Lee. That is a fucking That's cool a name. That's a name, yeah. That is awesome. Name your kid Record. I'm going to name my next child, if I ever had one, Sofa. <laughs> I was just going to start picking weird-ass names like Sofa or Carpet. <laughs> yes. Hey, that way there, if, uh, if if he's dating anybody and she licks his hand, she can say she licked the carpet. <laughs> carpet licker. <laughs> so Record had broken, his, uh, bro- broken her leg, because it's a she, and needed help uh, you know, while, while she's healing up. On June 4th of 77, Lee's husband... John Henry, oh, it's probably a Lee at the end, right? Yeah. Okay, there we go. John Henry Lee. Jesus, this sounds like a politician. We got politicians. I think we of got John Rick Henry, Lee. like on like American myths, yeah, with the oh, yeah. <laughs> with his hammer. Anyway, he he began experiencing debilitating pains in his stomach and chest, along with vomiting and diarrhea. He soon died after he started experiencing this, huh? I don't doubt it. What a coincidence. Mm-hmm. So Velma, she started dating a dude named Roland, and he went by Stuart Taylor. A relative of Dolly Edwards. That was the first people that she went to go work for, uh, okay. Dolly and her yeah. husband. Stuart was a was widowed. He was a tobacco farmer. And on February 3rd of 1978... Stewart discovered she had been forging his checks, and they got into a huge heated argument. You're going to love this part here. You ready? So as they were getting ready to attend church services, praise the Lord, (laughs) Velma goes and hands him a beer. And he thought this was a peace offering, you know, like, hey. Because everybody has a beer right before they go to church. Go to a Southern Baptist church, you're you going to need bourbon. Yeah. Bottles. Yes. They're not going to put up with the bullshit in this church. This is great. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's what he's figuring out. Yeah, she, she knows she's in the wrong. Forging my checks. This is a peace offering, so we can, you know, we can start all over. Because I think maybe he loved her. Yeah. You know? Well, a lot of times, they also don't have much family. Or right. they're not close with their own family. Right, right. So, during the service, Stuart started feeling sick. He tried to tough it out as long as he as long as he possibly could, right? But eventually, he went out to his truck and he laid down. He's like, "I'm I'm done, guys. I'm done. I, I'm not feeling good. I'm gonna go out to the truck. I'm gonna lay down. You know, finish. You know, and tell Jesus I I, I love him." <laughs> He's like, "Adios. Here's my money for the collection plate." He felt like he was burning up from the inside out. Well, Velma appeared and told him not to worry. She'd take care of him and drive them. Back home. Stewart spent the night vomiting. In the morning, he begged her to take him to the hospital. So the doctors couldn't find anything wrong with him and said that it was likely just ga- uh, gast- gastritis. Right. It's an inflammation yeah. of the stomach lining. And symptoms include sharp stabbing and burning pain. 
the doctor told him to go home. Like, yeah, go home. You're, you know, you're going to be fine. And you're going to feel better in the morning. In the morning, he was dead. Okay. Yeah. He had checked out. That was his final beer. <laughs> this whole time, Velma pretended to be the loving wife who was, quote, trying to nurse him back to health. Family and friends all thought, God, this poor woman. Look at all this shit that's, that, that's happened to her. Well, God, feeling bad for her, right? Well, not everyone. I forgot that this was someone that she was married to. I thought it was someone she was taking care of. Okay. No, no, no. She was married to this one, too. Okay. Because, you know, she collects ex-husbands like I did ex-wives. Uh, yeah. So not everyone was like, poor woman, right? Yeah. During Stuart's service, a woman claiming to be Velma's sister called in a tip to the police saying Velma had killed her mother in the same way she killed Stuart. Yes, her, not their mother, her mother. So keep that mm-hmm. one in mind. Uh huh. The plot thickens. Yeah. Much like the gravy. <laughs> so now I want gravy. Because <laughs> I'm fat for a reason, man. Fucking gravy. Gravy is a beverage. It is. It is very much a beverage. So police didn't think much of this claim, but began an investigation anyways and exhumed Stewart's body. Kudos to them, by the way, for, for, for proceeding in spite of their doubts. They're like, yeah, let's, let's be safe. Let's be yeah. safe. Let's, let's check this shit out. An autopsy found traces of, ready? Arsenic. Of course. Yep. From rat poison in his system. And my researcher is awesome because she gave her the name that I called them all that use basic shit. She's a basic bitch. <laughs> Police re-examined the other deaths in Velma's life and found, surprise, surprise, the same brand of rat poison in their system. Because brand loyalty matters. That's what I was just going to say. For your poison needs, make sure you buy, kill them all. (laughs) Velma's choice. So Velma was arrested on May 13th of 1978. Little side note, songwriter Jonathan Bird is the grandson of Jennings Barfield uh, and his first wife. His song, Velma, uh, from his Wildflowers album, is a personal account of his grandfather's murder. Oh, I gotta listen to that now. Yeah, me too. So at first she denied that she killed anyone. Duh, right? Because no, nobody comes in and they go, hey, we think you murdered somebody. Damn it, you caught me. Unless you're Arnfin Nesset. Yeah, unless you're Arnfin Nef- ne- ne- yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, you're right, I did it. And I killed like 80 other people too. Yeah, it's like I, I've been killing motherfuckers like for a long time. Yeah, I'm actually surprised <laughs> that it took you that this long. it took long. you this long. <laughs> I mean, you guys are slow. You guys are just saying, step up your game. <laughs> motherfuckers are slow as shit. So. Um, but when her son, Ronnie, asked her directly, and uh, she felt like she couldn't lie to him, and she told her son, quote, I only meant to make him sick. Well, boy, you, you did that all right. Her thought was if her victims were really ill and she nursed them back to health, they'd be so grateful to her that they'd forget all about the whole stealing checks thing. <laughs> My own side note, wait a minute, Sue, everybody that you poisoned died, and each time you were thinking that this time you will just make them sick, I call bullshit. Yeah. Bull fucking shit. Because you were using kill them all. 
<laughs> so Velma confessed to four of the murders, but denied killing her first husband, Jennings. That's his, we're talking about Jennings now. Um, which I thought her first husband was Thomas. Thomas, yeah. So we're talking Thomas then, all right? Yeah, we've got to be talking Thomas. Either Thomas or 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 her husband. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. This has got to be Jennings, yeah. right? It yeah, is Jennings, that makes yeah. Yeah, fuck it. Okay, I don't give a shit. <laughs> oh. Yes. Yeah, but let's go with that. She killed one of these. We know she killed all these motherfuckers, but... Though the body was exhumed and traces of arsenic were found, she still, like, denied it, right? She said, I didn't kill him. So it's got to be Jennings. That's weird, but it's not her first husband. Weird. I'm planning on deleting first. Yep, there we go. And delete. Yeah, she, she sure did. She went, I'm blocking you. And she thought it was Facebook. We said, that's not how this works. She said, it is now. Burn. That's how this works. He's my new burner phone. So on the stand, Velma appeared uncaring and downright just fucking cold-blooded. Just cold. So I don't give a shit about this. She gave the prosecuting attorney a round of applause after his closing argument. Like, hey, dude, that was good. That was wow. tight. Well, You're... that's some serious sarcasm. Yeah, it's like, you, you did good, man. You want to high-five that shit? Oh, no, you don't. Okay, my bad. <laughs> like, fist bump? No, no, can't get that either. All right, be a dick. That's fine. She's fucking, she's trying to help you out there, prosecutor. So Velma Barfield was convicted of Stewart's murder in December of 78. The jury found uh, aggravated circumstances and recommended that she be sentenced to death. I would have to agree. Oh, hell yeah, man. Fucking psycho Sally going on there. Yeah. So this sentence was cre- created a total media frenzy because she became the first woman on death row since 1962. North Carolina had uh, reinstated the death penalty on June 1st of 71, but spent the next six years in a battle with the U.S. Supreme Court to get its uh, final version on the books on June 1st of 77. So during those six years, it was an off, on again, off again kind of a thing, whether the state legally had the death penalty or not. It was resolved just in time for good old Velma's arrest. <laughs> now, whew, in the nick of time. Mm-hmm. So let's do a little bit of prison life because, you know, she's hard criminal. Yeah. She's a dumbass is what she is. <laughs> Basic ass bitch. Fuck. I bet you didn't even put salt on any of your vegetables on, on your on your tray in prison. You're like, no, that's just that's that's too much spice for me. That's extra. You got to pay extra through the commissary for salt. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, she's just basic, basic. So, prison life, and she gets bone again, brothers and sisters. Of course, she the did. Lord Jesus. Yeah, no, everybody in prison gets some kind of religion. Yeah, she's in prison at Central Prison in Raleigh, North Carolina. In an area designated for escape-prone and mentally ill prisoners. Because, you know, she's a little psycho, fucking poisoning everybody. <laughs> Just a little. At the time, there was no unit established for females on death row. And she was the only one there. Oh, boy. Yeah, she's like, she was the only one, period. Like, she's the only female that's on death row. 
A unit was later established at the North Carolina Correctional Institute for Women. So during her second appeal, Dorothy Ottnow Lewis, professor of psychology at New York University School of Medicine, testified Velma suffered from disassociative identity disorder or, in layman's terms, multiple personalities. Yes. I love what this judge says. So just bear with this. This is fucking hilarious. I'll let that sink in. The other personality, quote, Billy, told her Velma was a victim of sex abuse and he had killed her abusers. The judge responded with, quote, one of them did it. I don't care which one. (laughs) They're sharing a body, so it's all the same to me. I love that quote. That is freaking epic. So Velma declined any other further, you know, attempts for appeals the day before her execution, uh, stating she wanted just to die with dignity. Because you deserve that. Yeah, she did. Well, totally, you know, because she's born again. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're going to get further into her little praise the Lord thing. In prison, Velma became a devout born again Christian. Like I said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise Jesus. During the last few years of her life, she administered uh, to fellow prisoners and guards. She wrote letters to Governor Jim Hunt in which she argued that her born-again Christian faith should be considered as a mitigating factor and her sentence commuted to life in prison. Velma's devotion to Christianity was so devout, she received praise from Billy Graham, oh, praise that the Lord guy. Jesus, Billy Graham, brothers and sisters, for those of you who don't know, Billy Graham was a popular televangelist on the TV, can I get a hallelujah, praise the Lord, brothers and sisters, that's right, and if you just send me $10, send $10 today, the Lord will look upon you and gift you in many, many ways, can I get a hallelujah, brothers and sisters, hallelujah. <laughs> Fucking God, I hate televangelists. Uh, yes. Later, Reverend Graham would tell her, quote, Velma, in a way, I envy you because you're going to go to heaven before I do. That just tells you how corrupt that asshole was. No shit. Him and Joel Olstein, man. Jesus. And uh, Copeland. Uh, Well, that is just religion. That's true. Yeah. So many religious leaders uh, appealed on Velma's behalf in, in various courts. Her last appeal was on October 30th of 1984 on the grounds that the drugs had made her uh, incompetent during trial. This claim was rejected by the court. They're like, fuck you. Nice try. It's a good try there, little missy uh, basic bitch. I'm going to use rat poison on you, but, you know, we're not buying that. Sorry, no. Yeah, that's a big no. Shortly before her death, in a statement released to the public, Velma said, quote, I know that everybody has gone through a lot of pain. All the families connected, and, I, and, and I'm sorry, and I want to thank everybody who had who've been supporting me all these six years. She told family members that, quote, when I go into that chamber at 2 a.m., it's my gateway to heaven. Velma wow. was given a choice to die by lethal injection or the gas chamber. Because, you know, variety's the, char- the, the, the spice uh, of life. Right. She opted for the lethal injection, thus making her the first woman executed by lethal injection in the United States. Wow. Her last meal was a bag of cheese doodles, <laughs> similar to Cheetos, 
and a Coca-Cola. <sighs> Without the cocaine in it. Well, it's not even worth it at that point. I know. Uh, I don't drink Coca-Cola. You can't get no cocaine. <laughs> Bring the cocaine back. That's what I'm saying. On November 2nd of 84, Velma wore her, her own pink pajamas to her execution and was required to wear a diaper. Uh-huh. A stethoscope and a heart monitor were taped to her chest. She was secured to the gurney in her cell, catheters inserted into her arms, and a saline drip started before being wheeled into the execution chamber just a few minutes before 2 a.m. So outside the prison, a crowd of 300 people begged for her life, waving lit candles and singing hymns. Across from them, 80 protesters shouted, Die, bitch! Die! (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of with the protesters myself. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to have to agree with that. Back inside the prison, three syringes were attached to three IV lines and operated by three volunteers. One of the lines was a dummy so that none of the volunteers would know if their line was the lethal was dose the line. or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Velma Banfield was pronounced dead at 2.15 a.m. The 300 people holding the uh, vigil outside extinguished their candles and softly sang her favorite hymns as the ambulance took her body away. Velma had requested her organs be utilized for organ transplants, but since her heart had not been beaten for 10 minutes, they couldn't get her heart to restart. Uh, its donation wasn't possible. That would be one of those things where you're like, the person who gets whatever part of you becomes the serial killer. Like, so I've many movies about that. Yeah. I saw one about, I think, I think it was about corneas, actually. It was yeah, the eyes. Yeah. yeah. Because her corneas and some of her skin tissue were able to be used. And she was buried in a small cemetery in North Carolina near her first husband, Thomas Burke. And we got the one she ones. actually loved, at least. The one she actually loved, yep. That had the car wreck. So, how much of her actions, check fraud and murder, can be explained by the desperate need to feed her addiction? I never committed check fraud or killed anyone. Did See, you? Know, I, was, I was thinking the same thing. I never frauded anybody when, when I was using... Um, I may have killed some people, but I just don't remember it. <laughs> um, uh. <laughs> I know that a lot of... Uh, oh, this is going to sound horrible. I was a cat murderer. Oh, Scott. Well, a lot of pussies took a stab at <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. Uh, that's good. Stabbing the cat. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> that's why I'm going to burn in hell, I swear to God. Do you believe Velma suffered from uh, multiple personality disorder? I could see it because of the extensive childhood abuse... But it's it's a hard thing to prove. Right. I don't think she did. I think that... I think she knew what she was doing. Oh, yeah. 100%. Especially when, when you get called out for forging your old man's checks and bouncing checks and shit, and then you bring him a beer that has arsenic in it. It's not Billy that's doing that. No. In your head. That's no. Velma. Like, you're, I, this dude has to check out, man. He's calling me out. Yeah. yeah I, I agree. I just... I think good riddance to bad rubbish. Bad rubbish, rubbish yep. To, yeah. All right, that's all I have for this one here. How about you? That's all I got. All righty, let's talk about stabbing cats. <laughs> I just love your, oh, Scott, that's terrible. <laughs> Name a day. It was sarcastic. <laughs> uh-huh. 
All right. I know you wouldn't do that. No, 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 no. I'd stab some cats, but not. But no not way. like that. Not like that, and not not like with my penis. Yeah, I'm not like <laughs> rubbing cats against my penis. That's that's bizarre. I mean, I, <laughs> yo, I love cats. I don't love. You don't love cats. cats. Yeah. There's there's a difference. Just like I love dogs. I don't love. Uh, yes. Meow meow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Remember, you can send us an email, which I'm sure I'll get hate mail about. He's, he, I think he wants to molest animals. That's what he wants to do. If you've seen some of my exes, I've already done it. So don't even <laughs> don't even try to talk me out of it. Oh, Jesus Christ. He sends an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium. Crime Beat on Medium and wherever you get your blogs. Just type in at BrutalNation. We'll pop right up. Get the whole story without half of my bullshit in there. You might like that even better. You never know. You might like my bullshit. I don't know. You know, you might be, we need a little bit of Scott's bullshit. We want to hear more about stabbing cats um, and more about ponies. That's what keeps people coming back, you know. <laughs> stabbing their cat and talking about ponies? Kinky. <laughs> All right. That's me. <laughs> it's Barnyard with us. <laughs> Brutal Nation's Barnyard. How can I help you? Yeah. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye.